It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So now Posey reaches away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman here as always. Well, not quite as always, but back with me this week is Joe but the Butcher Boy Shasky. Uh, tuning back in over Mark Willard now this week uh, after a much well-earned vacation. Shasky, this is episode number 70. 70 used to be the single season home run record. That was brought back uh, when Mark McGuire did that. But then Barry Bonds broke that in 2001. And uh, that's just my ham-handed uh, segue into saying happy anniversary to Barry Bonds for breaking the all-time home run record. I thought you were going to go George Contos on me, number 70. <laughs> that's true. I could also go there as well. Uh, not very many other notable 70s in Giants history. No. Uh, 70s was not a great decade for the Giants either, but yeah, was, <laughs> we are uh, we recording this on Monday, August 7th, and yeah, this is 16 years uh, to the day that Barry Bonds broke the all-time home run record. Chasky, was that one? Were you there? Or were you watching that one on TV? No, I was at home, and I remember when he uh, obviously hit the home run to dead center field, and a guy from New York by the name of Matt Murphy ended up catching the ball. That's right. And there was the whole thing. I think he sold it. Yeah, because he was wearing like a Mets. Excuse jersey. me. Does that sound better? I've got my. Yeah, it does sound better with the microphone. Yeah. My bad. Uh, Didn't even I have my mic like ready. a Mets fan or something that caught yes. it. And he sold well, to the dude who, who branded it. Um, I remember One I of my that. dear friends is named Matt Murphy. It's the only reason why I remember that. <laughs> uh, so I remember I was at that game. Um, my dad. Uh, no had, way. Yeah, my dad was had to entertain a, a client that night. So I got to go along. We were sitting in the second deck. And that's one of those things like. There's some things like I can't tell you what I had for dinner last Thursday, but I can tell you all the details of that home run. I remember Bonds leading off the plate, leading off that inning, uh, stepping to the plate, friend of the morning rose, Mike Bassick's on the mound. I remember it was a 3-2 count. I remember thinking 3-2 count. Man, this this could be the moment where he does it right here. He hit number 73 on a 3-2 count. Why not? As soon as I think that, Bonds hits it to the deepest part of the yard. I always remember him throwing his arms up. How old were you? I was – this was right before I went to eighth grade. I know. I remember the Giants also lost that game eight to six to the Nationals that night. Barry Zito took the loss. And uh, I swear from the fifth inning to the eighth inning, there was just this buzz around the ballpark. Like half the ballpark was empty because everyone was going to buy merchandise at the time. But I remember thinking there for like an hour, just like, I just saw that. I just saw Bonds hit the, break the all-time home run record. And it was just one of the coolest moments uh, I've ever experienced at just at a baseball game. And yeah, it just, it felt like it was just like such this incredible finale to it. Just a great moment. What was not a great moment at a, a baseball game was uh, the moments I had at the Coliseum this past weekend. 
Giants swept in this two-game set by the A's, and by default, they ended up losing the bridge trophy that I know we're all crushed to see that go back to the Coliseum. (laughs) Even still, Shasky, I don't like losing the A's, whether good or bad, especially an A's team this bad. And the way the Giants did it, it really just looked like there was just no urgency at the plate, it felt like, most most of the weekend. And that's what kind of irked me the most about this 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 series loss over the weekend. Well, I mean, let's 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 break this down because I, I wasn't that upset. I mean, I feel like the Giants have been, you know, really outperforming their what I believe to be what their actual skill level is. Like they have an elite bullpen, right? And and the mm-hmm. bullpen didn't play necessarily perfect in this one. Obviously, leaving Walker out there to kind of continue to just nosedive was Mm -hmm. questionable, but they don't have a lot of arms left right now. Like they've used a lot of arms. So I don't know, like Alex Cobb's been great all year. Can we really expect him to continue to be ace? Like, like it's not like he's been an ace at any other point in his career. He's really outperformed, you know, what my expectations were for him. And it, it feels like to me, even though Lamont Wade had a really nice game yesterday and J.D. Davis has knocked in some some bigger RBIs as of late, at least the last couple of days, it does feel like the vets have kind of let this team down a little. Like, Jock Peterson has been very quiet just in general this year. Um, Brandon Crawford, big error yesterday. Hasn't mm-hmm. been great, has been injured a lot. Feels like we're watching the end of, of a great Giants it's career. Inconsistent. Which- it is very inconsistent. Remember on Saturday, he had a couple really good plays at right? shortstop. Uh, you had one where he's going, you know, going to his right. Made a great play, just mm-hmm. vintage Brandon Crawford. Nailed it, uh, threw it right to Lamont Wade at first base. And then the next day, it's the exact opposite. Um, and that's that's like, the kind of yeah, exactly. I mean, like Conforto. Conforto misplays a ball in the outfield. Conforto's mm-hmm. bat hasn't been as clutch as it's been in in maybe weeks past. And so I just feel like they're running out of steam. Like Wilmer Flores has been carrying them, and he's been very very good. But like Wilmer's not an everyday player. No, he's not. He's and, not. And a- to expect the young guys to carry this team, that's not fair. I'm not expecting Matos and Bailey to to carry them, but they have, and they've done mm-hmm. a pretty good job. I agree with you there. It it is a lot to ask when these uh, when these veterans aren't performing. Like especially, I want to talk about just the bullpen usage over the weekend because there was the one the the, the Ryan Walker and Luke Jackson moments Why on Saturday like and Sunday. That? What? Why didn't you like? You were kind of mad that they didn't go out and get get help. I was a little bit. Yeah, let's touch on that a little bit because I just felt like there was. Uh, I, I don't know what the move to be made is. So the move I kind of highlighted was Michael okay. Lorenzen. That's the kind of what I wanted because I figured it's is he gonna win you a world series? Is he gonna work win you a world series? No, probably not, but he's gonna lengthen that pitching rotation out a bit. And you need okay. that right now because yeah, you're right. Ryan Walker got, you know, he does look a little gassed. He came in on Saturday, and I think that was a that was a three batter rule issue. Like I think in past times after the uh after the first at bat you're probably taking you. him out yeah uh, luke jackson on sunday i think same thing you could tell that first at bat oh he does not have it at all and you know whoever was that manager back in the day who used to make what 10 pitching changes uh, uh, uh Felipe Lou, that's who it is that's the former giants manager i'm thinking of he used um, to yank guys left and right <laughs> well i think it was we'll, we'll, we'll get into bruce Bochy at some point this week but i always remember that game at fenway in 2019 where they went to extra innings i think and Bochy had the full compliment <laughs> you know, the full 40 man to his yes. disposable i think he made like 20 pitching changes that night i feel like that was the night that the three batter rule was like okay if there was any doubt i call the i call the three batter rule the bruce Bochy rule i like that's that i'm, I'm kind of with who, you yeah, like who well, made the Lugie, the Lugie wall was really solidified with someone like Javier uh, Lopez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted to get a guy like a Lorenzo because it's it's like a third or fourth starter you can add into this rotation that desperately needs more starting pitchers right now. Uh, because you look at the schedule that's coming up, and we'll get into that in a second. 
it's going to chew up the, it's going to start to chew through the bullpen and you are going to see it. Like when guys like Ryan Walker have off days, they're not going to happen very often when they do, it's going to hurt a lot more. And a move like that, which I think would could have been doable. Uh, the, the guy that the Phillies gave up uh, to acquire Lorenzen was their number eight, eight prospect. Uh, I going to botch the name, so I'm not even going to try it. Uh, but he was a shortstop second baseman. Um, and I looked at the giants, number eight prospect that's Mason black. And kind of did a little bit more looking him up. And it's like, yeah, they're similarly rated prospects. Are you doing Mike Mason Black for Michael Lorenzen? I mean, I would probably do that if it means giving your bullpen more health down the stretch and boosting your rotation for a potential playoff run. That's, that's, it's not a splash move. It's not a bold move. It's not a move that I think you're going to regret in the future. And it's a move that helps you a little bit now. I'm like, really I don't surprised. think that's too much to ask for. No, no, I, I'm with you, but I'm really surprised how down you are coming out of this series. Like, I feel like the A's beating us twice in a row really has gotten to your soul. It this was a this was a painful one. The Bay Bridge series always means a lot to me, just because I, mean, I grew up with A's fan friends. Yeah. So there was always a lot of smack talk on the line, and honestly, like again, the overall situation with the A's and their fans is terrible. I do obviously sympathize for them, but I also know A's fans are going to be some of the first to say, "Don't give us your sympathies." <laughs> and so I'll be honest, yeah, going into this weekend, it like I joined in the sell the team chance. I obviously did that, um, and that was a great moment there, and. But at the same time, like, no, I still want to beat you guys. Like, I still want to see the Giants crush the A's by 10 runs each time. Like, I've seen the A's blow out the Giants so many times, and it's just so frustrating. I want to get that back. Yeah, uh, no, I understand yeah, it, it's, that. It's, def- it's deflating just how the team played. I just – that ninth inning on Saturday, watching Conforto and da- – I think it was Davis and Conforto go to the plate. It was Conforto and Bailey go back-to-back, basically looking to walk. Uh, what was it? Just like they're just standing there like this the whole time, bat on the shoulder. It's like you're supposed to swing it. That's how this works, dude. Let me and let me ask I, you about Conforto. Let me ask you about Conforto. Yeah, clearly he's been healthier than I think a lot of people thought heading into the year. He's been he's been good at times, and then I feel like he's kind of hit a wall. Like th- doesn't it feel like he's kind of hit the wall the last three four weeks? It, no, it really has. And actually, I want to do a little bit of three up three down later. Okay. I got some more on Conforto. I want to get into there, but yeah, no, it's. There was a time when Michael Conforto came to the plate. You're like, all right, I'm gonna sit up now. This guy might be yeah. doing something. Here comes the thump. I Agreed. don't feel that anymore with Conforto. Yeah. It just the bat has gone so cold, and now you're seeing him, you know, mess up in the outfield again. That sun was brutal on Sunday. So no, it was really bad. The sun, it was hot. It was brutal. It was. Yeah, I agree. That was a lot to deal with there. But at the same time, like you're you're a eight seven eight year veteran in this league. Like stuff like that, you, it's kind of inexcusable. You can't really allow that, and it all just comes to circle on on a roster that on good days feels incredible on bad days the flaws just are so accentuated and you know i don't want to use one bad week or one unfortunate weekend to just point fingers at farhan but you know what let's point some fingers at farhan right here well let me, um, let me ask you sam before you continue okay. like we agree the bullpen's been elite and that's the part that's been carrying this team offensively what else is elite there really isn't much right now. I mean, they're elite at striking out, but you're not supposed to be elite at that. Uh, it's just, I think they're, they're a bit better at runners in scoring position this year than I think in past years, but there really is no one thing that jumps off the page. So uh, I really want to throw this question at you, Shasky, because I think this will be an interesting answer. So last week on the pod, when Mark and I were on the show, obviously it's no secret. Mark and I at the station are some of the more pro Farhan, uh, yeah, pro Farhan voices, but I wanted to kind of flip the, 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 the script on Mark and I a little bit. And we wanted to answer the question, why are so many fans out on Farhan? You know, we're in on it. So why do we think fans are out on Farhan? 
I want to flip this on to you because I know you're kind of out on Farhan right now. Why do you think there are so many fans who still buy into him or still loyal to the process these bots of the Giants? Why, why do I think people are so loyal to him? Yeah, guys, Kyle would say, like, you know, Mark and I were the pro Farhan, so yeah. I want to be like, why are they anti? You're the anti Farhan. Why do you think others are pro? Because I, I do believe that there are a lot of Giants fans that view smart baseball, and I'm talking about the current wave of, of every what every team's doing, right? The Dodgers, mm-hmm. the Rays, you know, all of the advanced teams. It, they're, and even the Braves to that to that extent. I, I do believe like the Braves do a lot of advanced analytics stuff, but mm-hmm. they do it in their own little spin. I think we got tired of the way things were done with the gut. And and not that they're not doing it with the gut now, but we wanted to be one of those smarter, shrewder teams. This is Silicon Valley. Like, yeah. I do believe there are a lot of people that consider themselves a little more sophisticated. And so having a more intellectual brand of baseball, that's not so much grabbing your crotch and spitting. Mm-hmm. I do think that appeals to some segment of fans. I don't think that's all of them. But I also think that, like, if we're being honest, Sabian had his run. Like, mm-hmm. I, I look back and longingly at Sabian, but I also can acknowledge I think 20 years is a long enough time to say it's time for new blood. Like that's fair. Like yeah. I think it's fair, but, but I do believe that there are a lot of people that seen what Farhan did with the Dodgers with the A's and they think everything that the Dodgers have accomplished over the last 10 years can go back some way to Farhan. Everything the Dodgers have done, uh, the A's have done, excuse me, you know, prior to most recently can be pointed back to, to, to Farhan having his fingerprints all over it. And I'm just like, man, it's really hard to distinguish who's doing what in these front offices. Mm-hmm. And when you have so many guys that are getting credit, I don't know. Are these team-wide decisions? Like, is Andrew Friedman amazing? Or was Farhan very influential on deals that maybe he wouldn't have been influential on and Friedman would have been out on? Is is Friedman the one who deserves more credit? Is it is it, you know, uh, Sabian's guy, Ned Coletti, who was there prior to, to Friedman going in there? Like, I, I don't have the answer for those things. I think it's real easy to point when, when there's success and say, that guy did everything, or when there's failure, that guy's the reason why. I think it's a lot harder than we want to give credit for. And so, I don't know, it's, it's a very jumbled thing. I, I do think this. Sam, as I'm like skirting around your answer. Yeah. No, but I, I think Farhan, the metaphor of Farhan was renewed hope to getting back to being a champion. That I do think he signified we are going to be smarter. We're going to be more diligent with our money. We're not going to be as reckless in free agency. We're not going to trade away every single prospect just for a right-handed bat that might play every three days. Like at the end, the Giants had a bare cupboard. They had spent way too much money in free agency and they had no draft picks. Part of what made us love that team was the draft picks. And so I think that Farhan signified we're keeping our draft picks. I do. I think that that's yeah. what a lot of people like. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there is, again, people love homegrown players. I really do believe that here in the Bay, just the Bay Area in general, when you look not just in baseball, but through all sports, when it's the guys who came up naturally through these teams who were here the whole time, there's just a greater bond. You know, I you're you're never going to see guys like, I mean, Hunter Pence was acquired through a trade, but he was never going to be as loved as Buster Posey. Uh, Johnny Cueto, a great pitcher, but he was never going to be as loved as like Madison Bumgarner, no matter how well he pitched. It yeah. goes into basketball too with Steph versus KD. Uh, I'm sure if the Niners signed some big-time free agent in, in the NFL sense, you know, whether it's uh, Elijah Mitchell or whoever, it's that's just how the Bay Area is. We're loyal to our own. And yeah, so I think that does kind of make it fair to, 
to want to expect Farhan to build it up through through the farm system. Uh, you kind of talk about how you know, the, the the metaphor for him was the new hope and kind of doing things a different way. That's the thing that really struck out for me about Farhan too. I always point to the line that Larry said was you know the next gen GM, next gen thinking, and that's kind of what led to my frustration at the deadline because Farhan. He is supposed to be different. He is supposed to be new, cutting edge, fresh ideas. I always remembered that Zach Cozart deal that he did back in 2020, uh, where he basically purchased Zach Cozart's contract to get a first round pick in Will Wilson. Now, it didn't work out. Cozart ended up you know, going nowhere, and Will Wilson's kind of flamed out as a prospect. But the concept really intrigued me because I'd never seen that before. It's like this I, is the I'm, kind of I different thinking you. that I want to see. But then we get to the trade deadline, and it's just like you're supposed to be the cutting edge next gen GM. And you you said you you compared him to an Alex Smith type. It's like Farhan, you just seem like a, a GM right now, or the, the president of base, whatever title. Like you just seem like a guy at this deadline. I expect something a little bit more creative out of you. Now, if the deals just weren't there, like at all, which it sounds like it was, that's one thing. But at the same time, like sometimes you got to make the moment. And would, I feel like agree? my frustration with Farhan is just he, he kind of disappointed me because I. I I think he's better than this. I think he could be more no, creative I agree with you. and smarter and craft a better deal. And it just seems so unlike him that he would just sit on his hands and just kind of watch this deadline further by doing absolutely nothing. If we were going to like make all of the things that we hated about Sabian, we put a list together. It would be giving Marvin Bernard a contract, right? A big mm-hmm. contract extension that it didn't feel like he was worthy of. It would be signing Aaron Rowan. It would be yeah. signing Barry Zito. It would the AJ be Brzezinski trade. The J- okay, there you go. That's included. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Like that. That's a good one. No, no doubt. Right. Like uh, it's the Kellers Beltron trade. Even though I still will stand by that trade. It's signing guys like Michael Tucker or Ryan Klusko years after they were good. Like years yeah. after they were good. Denard Span, Mark Melanson. They made more mistakes. Like you referenced one bad trade. They made more mistakes. Really via free agency. And although they're not multi-year mistakes that Farhan's made that have really anchored this organization, like they, the last couple of off seasons, they've heard these pitching, these pitching signings have been really bad. The one that comes to mind, like Samarja and Cueto were not good signings. Like we look back, Cueto gave them a good year and a half, two years, but like, I think overall, you're kind of expecting that though, too. No, I agree. Yeah. But Matt Morris was a horrible signing. Horrible, going way back in time machine, right? Yeah. <laughs> horrible signing. Di Scalfani looks like the Matt Morris signing. It's been horrible. He's like four and ten. He's given up 120 runs in two years since signing mm-hmm. the contract. Alex Wood has not been good. Haniger, the three-year deal to Haniger, it does. He's played 40 games, right? So mm-hmm. for all the great stories, like the Carlos Rodon story, the one-year wonder of Carlos Rodon, it feels like they've got four or five of these bad contracts pitching deals and that's where i feel like oh my god we're repeating ourselves again no i agree i think the one saving grace is that you what farhan has done with the farm system in such a short uh time is really more or less insulating him from a lot of i think that the heat that would be on his seat in normal situations farhan has done a great job the draft so far and in just a couple years he has done he's gotten closer to drafting and developing well not drafting and developing but developing a homegrown outfielder than Brian Sabian ever did. And I am talking about Luis Matos. Again, Farhan didn't you no, know, I'm with you. find him, but I do give him, I don't play, I don't play, he the cultivated him. he's not your guy, but he's gotten closer with Matos yes. than Sabian ever did. Well, you know, that's, that's no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like yeah. if Mike Yastrzemski was the everyday center fielder and the same things were happening right now, where there are X amount of games over 500, they're in a wild card spot as of today, I wouldn't feel the same. 
Yeah. If everything was the same, but it was Chadwick Trump behind the plate instead of Patrick Bailey, I wouldn't feel the it same. That's why I'm not outraged. Yeah. I feel really good. Like just Bailey and Matos alone make me feel encouraged that this is at least going in the right direction. I'm not ready to just say it's been an abject failure. You know, everybody needs to be blown out. I think Kapler's a good manager. I think yeah. he's made the most out of the least. Like I really do. But here's what I would say. They have to get a legitimate three, four, or five hitter. And I yeah. know they thought that Hanniger could be maybe one of those guys. He's not good enough. They need one. Whether that means being bold in a trade, whether that means developing your own and, and it's Luciano and he's under our eyes the entire time, or whether that's signing the guy, if you had that, everything else would look better. I agree. And the good news is the Giants do still have options to make that happen. We can talk about one of those potential options in a minute. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubin and Joe Shassi coming at you every week with the best Giants content out there. Make sure you're liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing. Uh, I said reviewing already, but leave two reviews. That's That helps the algorithm. Uh, tell other people, uh, Odyssey Sports Network 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Giants kind of stumbling out of this weekend and they're, they're looking bad offensively at a really brutal time uh, because we are about to see a horrific uh, month of August for the Giants schedule wise. Blah, tight. First off, I just want to go through this absolute just gauntlet the Giants have ahead of them. We got three in Anaheim versus the Angels and uh, we are recording this on Monday, obviously. So by the time we release this on Tuesday, uh, that first start will have, that first game will have already happened. So hopefully it's after a win. Uh, then you got three at home versus Bruce Bochy and the Rangers, followed by three more versus the Rays. Then they go on a uh, East Coast road trip to Atlanta and Philly, come back to take on the Braves again. Three more versus the Reds, four in San Diego against the Padres, and then three at Wrigley Field versus the Cubs. Oh, wow, that is a lot. Uh, this is going to be a very brutal stretch for the Giants right now. It, it feels like the fate of the season basically is going to be determined in these next 21 games. Yeah, it does feel like that. And I mean, Otani coming up this week and then you get Bruce Bochy and it. We got the Rays too, that basically do analytics like the Giants do, but like 10 times better. 
and cheaper and, and like and they're, cheaper they're, and smarter. Like their the- bang for the buck is is kind of unbelievable. This does feel like a really rough stretch right now, and that's why I'm not outraged. Like I can already start to see this. It feels like they're running out of pitching, and we are going to get a good feel for for who the Giants are. And that's why I keep going back to like, and I'm not trying to be some homer. If Matos and Bailey can just survive the storm that's ahead of them over the next mm-hmm. three to five weeks. How good are you going to feel heading into the offseason? If both these guys can finish this year out on a high note, play on an above 500 team, have over 250 batting averages, they're both gold glove potential guys moving forward. I don't know if they could be 20 home run a year, guys. I don't even care. Give me plus plus defense. Like, that's a great start. Can we get a taste of Wizenhut? Can I get a taste of Harrison? Like, can can Camilo Duvall get to 40-something saves? Like, I have smaller goals to me that are much bigger than, like, beating the Rays and <laughs> getting into the wild card. And, and you know what I mean? Like, I, am, I tra- am I crazy? I mean, I think there's – at the end of the day, I do think in terms of the development stage, the season's going to come out as a plus no matter what. Uh, Patrick Bailey is going to be playing as every day as he should. Luis Matos, he's playing more and more. He's becoming less of a platoon guy and more of a you're going to start the game and play the whole game unless we need to sub you out midway through the game kind of guy, which is an improvement for him. He is getting more reps versus right-handed hitters. That's something I like to see. And yeah, those two guys right now, they're going to have to kind of carry the way um, in terms of just kind of what we're seeing from the young guys right now. And so, yeah, in that sense, if you could hold on to that, you are finding positives. I think you're going to hopefully see more good pitching from Ryan Walker. And then, yeah, if the more young guys we come up that 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 produce, you're feeling good about the season no matter how it goes. That said, I mean, the Giants, at the end of the day, they're still going to try and win baseball games. That's going to be the focus yes. at the end of the day. Their job, like Gabe Kapler's job, is to go out and make sure that his team has more runs on the scoreboard than the other teams. They're going to do that. They're going to find different ways to do that every single day. Gabe Kaplan, he's he's called uh, each game like a puzzle. And honestly, he's done an incredible job at assembling this puzzle for the most part. He's really going to be tested uh, keeping this team together over the next couple of weeks. I just think like these next 21 games, Giants are 10 games above 500 right now. If you could go 10 and 11 in that stretch, then you're going into September, nine games above 500. I think then you're still in the thick of the playoff race. And I still maintain that as much as I would like to see guys like Bailey and Matos develop, I think there's something good to be said about having them develop in the heat of a playoff race. Cause they need to, at some point you got to learn what that is like Buster Posey was in a playoff race, his rookie year. And again, I don't like to make the Bailey Posey comparisons, but I think there's nothing. It doesn't hurt to put the, a little bit more pressure on the rookies here in September in a situation where we need you to elevate your game to get to the playoffs and see if they kind of wilt or shine in that moment. If they wilt, then you know what? It's a lesson learned. You're better going into next year for it. I'm with you on that, and I think it would be a a tremendous. Look, there's no doubt that Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner fighting in October and into November, that helped their careers. Like, no one is here arguing. Even in 2009, when you had – you know, that 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 end of the season race with for Linsica, Matt Cain, Pablo Sandoval, Brian Wilson. I think that's invaluable invaluable experience too, even though they did come up yes. short and didn't make the playoffs. No, I'm um, with you on that. And I, I think that would absolutely be be huge. Like it feels like to me 
they have to stay the course with the young guys though. Like I know you want to make the playoffs and I know that that's extremely important, but like, Mm -hmm. isn't this year, like if we're, if we're taking a step back, isn't this year really about like next year? Like, isn't it really like, yes, it'd be great. I want to win. Like you're never trying to like punt on a season. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like the ultimate goal is to come out of this year with battle tested guys like Bailey and battle tested guys like Matos. Isn't it not? No, I agree with you. I definitely think I agree with you. I like that, that, that idea. It's all about, you know, next year, this year is all about setting up well for next year, making yes. sure that next year could be that year. And maybe this could kind of shift to some of the options that they can, uh, like, like Sam. Do to, do, okay. Yeah. Contrast that to 2021. 2021 felt like this could be the final ride, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there wasn't a lot of youth. I mean, I know Logan Webb was young and I know Camilla was young, but like everybody else was old. Right. Yeah. And it was like, is this it? I mean, is this just one magical end? Is this it? And that ended with a thud. And then you had Buster Posey retire and it felt like, all right, wow, that, that really might've been the last best chance. So like, this feels like the beginning of a five to 10 year run. Kind of like that feeling you had in 2009, where even though they fell short, you felt really good going into that next off season. And I feel like one of the reasons though, again, now I want to kind of start into this series where we're here down against the angels. And I think you kind of know where this is going to go next in terms of, you want to put that best foot forward, uh, come this off season, if you're a supporting cast, like we've made this uh, comparison in the past, going uh, into the off season, you're trying to woo like a Shohei Otani who we're seeing this week. Is there even any reason to be hopeful for that? Do you still carry any hope of, of a Shohei Otani uh, signing this off season? Because I feel like it's something that by if you're a Giants fan getting yourself hopeful for Shohei Otani, I feel like you're setting yourself up for disappointment yeah, again. I learned my lesson last year. I'm gonna. I'm going to expect it not to happen. And if it does, oh my God, I'm throwing a ticker taper. Prayer. I'd be happy to be wrong on this one. Yes, uh, exactly. It's, it's still exactly. Gonna be fun to, I'm yeah, with you like, on that. It, 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 it'll be, I guess the chase will still be fun. I mean, the Giants are still going to be in it. I still just, I don't even know if it's so much anything that the Giants can do though, to, to bring him here. I do think they are limited by the fact that if you look at other teams, Yankees, Dodgers, or even the Braves, if they want to get into it, those are teams that are just so much closer right yeah. now to competing for a championship. Whereas the Giants, yeah, they are kind of building up towards that. But this is a guy, Shohei Otani, who's going to be, you know, entering his age 30 season next season on yeah. this contract. It's risky. Think, when when you're two, three, when you're a team that's like, I think the Giants could definitely make the playoffs. Maybe this year, they definitely should be in it next year. But then I feel like 25, 26, that's when you're going to really see this takeoff happen if everything goes according to plan. I think you don't want a guy who's going to be turning 32, 33 to be the centerpiece of your team right when you're starting to see that takeoff happen. I think you want a guy like what the Padres did with Manny Machado when they signed him when he was in his mid-20s. Now he's approaching his 30s, and the Padres are, well, in theory, supposed to be in that takeoff stage right now. But he's in the prime of his career right when the team is in its skyrocketing phase. I feel like by bringing on Otani, it would almost be like the best Otani years will not coincide with the best years from this core. If that makes sense. Yes. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I I do get what you're saying, but boy, wouldn't it be amazing to have him in the lineup and, and all oh, these absolutely. guys are coming through. It just, it just changes everything. And I mean, it just feels like, pine but there's going to be guys like Pete Alonzo. Like what's going to happen with Pete Alonzo. Wouldn't you love a Pete Alonzo consolation prize? Oh yeah. I mean, it depends on, I mean, the Mets seem very, cons- very determined to build around him and understandably so. And they still have a lot of big contracts that they're going to have around him. I, the guy I kind of look at is Luis Robert Jr. out of uh, Chicago with the White Sox. Outfielder, I think he's 25 right now. He was an all-star this year. He's got 29 home runs. 
him in this lineup will look really good. And you look at what's going on on the south side of Chicago right now. That does not look like a fun team to be playing for. I mean, they were a very easy playoff team a couple of years ago, and then things kind of fell apart under Tony LaRusso. And now that looks like a team that's just going nowhere fast. Yeah, and it does. It's just, it's just never been good for the White Sox. It's just a very sad franchise overall. Their ballpark, really, it's one of the worst I've ever been to. And <laughs> if I'm Luis Robert Jr., I'm looking around at what I'm dealing with here in Chicago, and I'm thinking, I don't really want to be here anymore. And if you're the White Sox, you know, you're know you going to have to start paying him a lot of money over the next few years. Again, I know he's in his mid-20s, but – I really want to pay a bunch of money for a guy who is not happy and is going to be putting up all those good baseball numbers when on a team that's going nowhere, when you could shed that salary for, you know, maybe uh, a Vaughn Brown or uh, Iverson Artiego or Reggie Crawford. You know, those are the kind of, I think, creative deals I would like to see happen for the Giants this offseason. And I guess this is a long winded way of saying that the benefit of Farhan not buying at the deadline is you have the, the ability to make these kind of splash deals at the winter meetings or, or elsewhere this off season. No, no, that, there's no doubt about that. It's just, boy, do you think we're going to get Luciano at the end of this year? Do you think he's going to come back up? Oh, I definitely think he'll be up at some point again. Again, second if, base, if this team falls apart, in August, you're going to see a lot of Luciano. The thing is they want him to get more reps at second base. They want to make him more versatile of an infielder because I think there's a belief that, you know, Casey Schmidt can obviously handle a lot of the left side of the infield. They want Luciano to be able to handle the middle of the infield so he can do both positions. And simply put, you're not going to have him experiment at second base at the big league club when you're still trying to win baseball games. No, and I hear you. And, you, and you, want Estrada, get, you want him to get risk-free reps. Is seeing Estrada at second base, boy, they missed him the last four weeks, didn't they? They're going to need him down the stretch. I'm really glad you brought up a shot because I want to get into that in our next segment. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Blumman and Joe Shasty coming at you every week with all of your Giants content. Like, rate, review, subscribe, 95.7 Odyssey Sports Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shaska, I want to do a little bit of three up, three down, and Tyrell Strada will be part of this segment. I kind of want to put a little bit of a twist on it, though, and that is three guys who I really need to be up for these next 21 to 28 games. And then three guys whose downs really have me concerned. Okay. Um, first one I'm going to go with is uh, Tyro Estrada. Hey, that guy again. Um, so we need the early season Tyro back. It was great to see him back in the lineup uh, earlier, you know, this, this weekend, he went two for eight over the weekend, but you know, he had that, he had the a giants lone run on Saturday, read the first to third uh, that JD Davis hit. J.D. Davis hit a base hit. Tyro Estrada goes first third, reads it perfectly, scores the only run. You saw the value right off the bat with Tyro. He had some really good at-bats this weekend. We need to see a lot more of that Tyro over the next couple weeks if the Giants have any hope of staying in the race. And How about his bunt? Wasn't that beautiful? 
Oh, the squeeze bun on Sunday. It's beautiful. Yeah. Again, they just seven. miss his speed, his athleticism, his ability to create at the top of the lineup. Like they miss everything about him. He's just, to me, he's one of those tone guys. Like when they're having a dead day, isn't he one of those guys that can kind of be his own like instant rally? He really can. I mean, him and Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, are so, so dynamic atop that lineup. The way Lamont gets on base and the way that Tyro can move him over. You need those guys to produce consistently atop this lineup because if you're not setting the table, you're not giving this lineup a whole lot to work with. Yes. Team falls behind early and that's how the offense starts to stall out. But I, yeah, Tyro, it's been kind of a downward trend though, since the end of, since the end of April, uh, striking out a little bit more since then the on base percentage since May is at two ninety three, mm-hmm. And you know, that that's not something you can, you can't have that out of your number two guy. This is a guy who needs to be putting the ball in play more. needs to be getting on base more. The one uh, positive is during his absence, the Giants did go 15-11 without Estrada in the lineup. But a lot of that was because Wilmer Flores hitting 420 in that time. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that's not, again, a bankable strategy. The other guy who I need to be up over these next couple weeks is a guy who's on the mound tonight. Again, we're releasing this episode after this game. But it's Logan Webb. Like, again, I think like Logan Webb's had a good year. I need him to be that dude for the next three weeks here. You know, since the All-Star game, He's got a 516 ERA and a 423 fit. Opponents are hitting 232 against him. And but he's been hurt by the long ball, four home runs in that time. And he really kind of struggles on the road, too. Um I'm gonna see I got the numbers here somewhere. Got too many papers in front of me. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of as also due to Logan Webb's uh start against the Nationals, but at home, he's got a 223 ERA on the road. He's got a 475 ERA. He got some really tough road games coming up and Basically, I need to see Logan Webb up his game for the next few weeks if the Giants would have any hope of staying afloat. Well, what is it specifically about him that that's frustrating you right now? Does it just look like he's not getting uh, the same movement as earlier? I don't even know what the spin rates are looking like right now. It just it feels like he's getting hit harder more he's recently than he has ever. I mean, yes and no. I mean, if, if you since the All Star break, if you take away that disaster in, in Washington, he's only got a two ninety five ERA. He's lasted in the seventh inning in each start since the All Star break, except for that game against the Nationals where it was hot and humid. Uh, but here's the problem: if you're going to be pitching on the East Coast in a couple weeks, like you will, it's going to be hot and humid down in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, it's like nineties with ninety percent humidity all you know every day down there. And if the Giants are skidding going into that series in Atlanta, you need Logan Webb to be the stopper. And yeah, it's just true. sometimes the elements get to him. Sometimes games get away from him. And sometimes he just gets victimized by the long ball. Yeah. And you just, you, you need to contain that. You can't do anything about the run support, but I think it's if Logan Webb was paid. You're the dude money. Basically there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be unfair that Logan has to deal with this month. Sorry, dude, you got to be the dude though. You just really? got to elevate your game and be, I think you have to pitch above it at this. At, at what point if he is right now, the, the highest paid by the most important giant, on the team right now is it at that point you just gotta be like you need to see more it's it's tough but i think it's a that's what happens when you're the ace of a pitching staff yeah no i think you're right and he did make make big money i, I wouldn't say he got like 250 million dollars i mean no, I he didn't he get was relatively inexpensive money, but, but i think he he did get you are the guy money right now for okay. this team and this i think this is time for logan webb to show why he is the guy I just feel like with the thinned out pitching staff they have right now, we're over accentuating the struggles from Logan Webb because there's no other dude outside of Cobb that you yeah. hand the ball to regularly. Right. It does feel like there's even more pressure than normally would be. Wouldn't it's it? tough on him. No, there's a ton of pressure on Webb and I wouldn't, I won't like, you know, like, like crush him in and be super you know down on him. If things kind of go awry this month, because I do think it is a lot to ask of him. 
But imagine if he did step up, though. No, it'd be huge. Uh, yeah, like if if he does rally this month, that's huge for this team going into September. I, I agree with that. I um, absolutely agree with that. Like they need him, and and I want to see him finish with a winning record. I want him. I agree. To go into the offseason feeling good about himself, regardless of where the standings are for the team. Uh, one other guy who I need to see step up is pretty much outs- the new starting pitcher, I guess, in the rotation. That's Ross Stripling, and we've seen you know Diesel Fund. He didn't look bad last outing. Exactly. We've seen Why are you you were about struggle. to explode? Why are you about to explode? No, I, I'm I'm he did look really pretty good uh, this he Saturday bad. against the A's. But you know what? I really <laughs> like what I've seen from Stripling since they moved him back into the rotation. Uh, he's eating somewhat innings up, six innings, six innings, uh, four and a third, five and a third on Saturday. I thought he looked really good on Saturday. Uh, three thirty two uh, ERA over that time. The problem with Ross Stripling that. I need to see corrected is he still got a bad case of one bad pitch itis where all these starts are really, really good except for that one bad pitch. You saw it happen on Saturday and when your offense is struggling, that one bad pitch can kill you. I mean, remember I remember 2018, it seemed like every start Madison Bumgarner had that one bad pitch that kind of ruined the night for the big fella. Yeah. And he's got, I don't know what the, I don't know how you just limit that one bad pitch messing up your outing, but Again, yeah, I saw a lot of positive from Stripling on Saturday. I, I did too, and I, I just think that, shockingly, he's needed now more than ever, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree with you, and it's hopefully he's he's giving up a little bit less uh, hard contact right now. Yes. He's been using the change up a little bit more since the second half, so maybe he's figured something out. I know for much the first half, he was kind of in tinker mode, so hopefully the Giants kind of figured something out with him because, again, if he can give you five, six innings a night of one-run ball this next month, that's going to be huge. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. couple downs that are really kind of concerning me. The first one's kind of cheating here. I'm going to do a twofer. It's Jock and Conforto. Uh, when Jock came to the, to the plate on Saturday with runners on the corners and one out, I didn't have a whole lot of faith that something big was going to be happening there. I mean, the sack fly felt like cool. That was the ceiling. But Jock, it really just feels like you're either getting a ground out, a fly out, or a home run with him. And then Michael Conforto, it's been a month since he last went deep. These are two of that's this is 38 million worth of hitting in the middle of your lineup now. These are your three and five hitters most nights. I just feel zero confidence when they step to the plate right now. I mean, how am I how much am I overreacting on this? I mean, uh, no one's hitting for them right now. If you take Wilmer Flores out Mm. of the lineup, they're batting like under 200 over the last couple of weeks. I mean, Sam. Yeah, you're right, though. You're not wrong. You're right. They need to produce. Yeah. It's just these guys, it just, it, it, it's like with other guys, when the rookies are struggling, you can at least understand that. It's like you're a yes, rookie. You're going to have your that. ups. You're going to have your downs. But these are guys that just like, you've been around long enough that like eventually you just got to be able to pull yourself out of these funks. And these funks have just been yes. so prolonged. And it's at the point where it's just like, I don't even need to see them in the lineup anymore. Just have Wilmer DH full time. Honestly, I'd rather see Elliot Ramos called up and put in the lineup some nights instead of Michael Conforto. It's just, but then you kind of need to keep Conforto in the lineup because you need him to play well enough so he exercises his option. And and then this is this is where it all goes spinning out of control. And I just, I the, the downs are really concerning me with them. Um, you know, another down that's really concerning me right now. We've talked about him a lot in Morning Roast. It's J.D. Davis. Well, the guy who is such a rock in this lineup for the first half. He's got a 167 batting average since the all-star break. He's got a 216 Babbitt, so he's had some bad luck there, but striking out a lot more. I think he's pressing a little bit. I agree. And there's but where's really his no- protection in the lineup? 
Like, That's name true. somebody in the lineup who's tearing the cover off the ball that can maybe take a little bit of the pressure off him and let him I mean, see Michael better pitches. Michael Conforto was backing him up in the lineup this I weekend. know. So, I mean, but they're both is. scuffling. Yeah, and it's just when you get – like, I love J.D. Davis's approach at the plate. I think he's got a great swing. I, I just think is he's too good of a baseball. I don't think he's a superstar, all-star, every-year caliber player. I do think he deserves some sort of all-star consideration this year for how he played in the first half. Yeah, I, I agree with that. J.D. Davis is better than what we're seeing right now. If he can get back just being like that 275, 280 hitter who's got that great kind of inside-out approach. Like, I've seen a lot. You guys go inside on him. He's great at sending the ball to the opposite I field. Agree. I do think, again, there there's, might be some bad luck involved there with J.D., but eventually these balls have to get down. And, and, yeah, a little bit of protection in the lineup would hurt. But the longer this slump goes with Davis, the more concerned I do get. Uh, the but last- his defense has been really good. I know we don't want to, like, talk oh, about oh, his defense. Right. But, like, he does deserve credit for that. Don't you agree? Oh, I think his Davis is his, – his defense is still – probably some of the best in, in in the national league i haven't looked up the metrics lately but i'm sure at some point i mean the eye test is all you need to see he should be in a consideration for a gold glove yeah and he's a big reason why the giants defense is so much better this year and it's why even though the hitting struggles are happening it's not letting him, he's not letting it affect his defense no and i always i, I always i always try to appreciate and then a baseball player because it's so easy to let one bleed into the other one more down uh before we get out of here that's really concerning me it's alex cobb and uh, Shasky, tell me if you're shocked by this, but a 35-year-old pitcher having a career year might be, you know, falling apart here in the second half. Uh, who could have seen that one coming? I'm um, not mad at him though. He's pitched his heart out all year. I, I, oh, I don't he know. Gutted out that start last year. week against the Diamondbacks. We had the stomach flu. Um, so, it, but yeah, he's even. I mean, hasn't he been in pretty incredible this year? I mean, all things being considered. No, he has been overall, and I, I again, it's it's been a great year for Cobb, a great yes. first half for Cobb, and. But this thing is, as great as that first half was, it's not going to help you a whole lot in the second half. No. And with a pitching staff that's really hurting for for arms right now, for trying to keep bullpen arms fresh, Cobb, the six, seven innings a night that Cobb's been giving this team has been a godsend. Oh, where would and they be without him? Exactly. Oh, we might find out this month, unfortunately, if he starts <laughs> to kind of fade. That's not good. I mean, he's walking guys more. Yeah. He's striking out guys less. He's been bit by the long ball. Again, that's not all his fault. Um He's kind of using more of the slider and the curveball. He's getting hit a little bit uh, harder right now. The line drive percentage is up. It's just not looked good so far. Now, again, it could be a slump. It is still concerning. If he can right the ship soon, I'll stop being down on him. I mean, that's what's great about all these guys I just mentioned. J.D. Davis, he could turn it around. Michael Conforto, we've seen how hot he can get. Jock, he's still going to be a power threat. So, I mean, I say I'm down on these guys, but like, I still believe they can bounce back. And if they can, that's going to be the probably one of the differences that keeps the Giants either in the playoff race or just playing the young guys all September. Totally agree. Totally agree. But you know what? Like other guys need to step up. Wood and Stripling and Manaya need to step up as well. Right. I I, Cobb has carried this team as far as he can go. I have got to go. My car is ready. We definitely do got to go. So, all right. So this is episode 70 of Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys. Hopefully we'll be listening, listening to this after a Giants win over the Angels. We'll be back hopefully later this week because uh, Bruce Bochy will be back in town, and I'm sure we're going to have to talk about that. So uh, for Joe's Chassis, this is Sam Lubbock. We will see you on the next one.